BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Hi everyone, it is Mike. It is uh, 12.56 Eastern Daylight Time on July 25th. Uh, welcome back to The Voice Gate. We will be getting to the uh, full episode in a second. Just wanted to jump in here in light of news breaking about 45 minutes ago. This was released by the Dragon Gate uh, official Twitter account and then later with a link to a blog post that Kaido Ishida has left the company. He has not wrestled in Dragon Gate since the Okinawa trip in June. I think I I looked it up. His last date was June 19th, and he's been absent from cards since, and he was not listed on the final of Ultimo Dragon 35th Anniversary Show card that was announced yesterday. And the reason why I list the time here is because what y'all are about to hear is our episode with uh, Dragon Gate J, kind of like how we did last year, previewing Kobe World Weekend. Uh, I didn't have a heads up about the Ishida news, and when we recorded this, this was yesterday after the Kobe Sambo Hall show, just so that you all know, just in in light of things, the time frame of how things are working. And also, Case and I will be back on Open the Voice Gate tomorrow night, and we will be talking about the Kaito Shido news and also looking into the final card going into Ultimo Dragon's 35th anniversary show and Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival 2022. So 
that just wanted to jump in there and give you all that note. Anyways, uh, here is our episode with Jay. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate. It is time for our annual Kobe World Weekend Preview. I'm Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, Slow, and joining us again to preview the biggest week in Dragon Gate's year is the official English voice of Dragon Gate, Jay. Jay, how's it going today? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for having me. So, Jay, we had you on in the lead-up for Knesset's retirement, and that was in April. And it, it, it's something where, at least in my opinion, I know Case has his own kind of read of how, how things have felt. It feels like the last three months and change have been a pretty uh, tumultuous uh, few months, Jay. How, how is your feeling about the company going into the biggest week in the year? Hmm. See, um, <laughs> before I answer that, um, I was actually going to um, decline this invitation to come on this show <laughs> um, because I, I realized that I'm, you know, in the past, you know, I would have come on here just as, you know, kind of another fan coming on to, you know, talk about the state of things. And, you know, now the position is a little bit different in that I'm kind of on here to, also kind of sell the show i guess because i'm on the show sure. um yeah so i was gonna say no because i didn't want to come on here and um i don't know be like super negative about the show or be you know whatever i also didn't want to come on and be kind of fake about it you know like if i got invited to do some other radio show i would have put the professional hat on and went and sold as best I could, but I don't want to, you know, I think the people that are listening to this show um, are probably going to be on the same wavelength already on a lot of this stuff. And um, that being said, I feel not so good about things. It, it's something that I, at least I, I initially, like, like when they announced the Ultima 35th anniversary, I was like, all right, that makes sense for it. And it, it, it's something, at least, I know we, we've talked about this case, about building up for two nights instead of one has proved to be, at least from, from like how I've been feeling about it, it, it's something that they have not figured out yet, how to build up two separate big shows at the same. Uh, has anybody? I mean... Yeah, I don't no, know. That, that was going to be my point. Was I think the New Japan two dome shows, and then they, you know, they did a third this year that was a little bit more of a standalone with the with the no inclusion. But no one has figured out a logical way to do two world title matches in two nights. That is a, a continuous struggle, no matter who's doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that, and also kind of the idea that if you're doing all four title matches. You know, if you're doing four championship matches on both nights, it leaves you hamstrung on what you can announce for the next for the second night. Um, so I I almost think that actually not almost I I think that maybe it would have been a better a better move just to ha have the first night be entirely dedicated to you know celebrating. Um, you know, have all the big names in, you know, Santo's going to be there. They've got all the guys coming in for the anniversary matches. Muto is going to be there, supposedly. Um, you know, and just kind of go on that and then have the second night be the standard world. 
you know, with all with all the championship matches that may have been the better way to go on it. It's not beyond that though, um the stuff that is there isn't isn't super hot. Um, you know, the Twin Gate stuff, you know, the Twin Gate match is gonna be a good match. Um probably be the best match of the weekend. Um, but I also have a feeling it's going to be like the opener on the first night. So it's going to be out of the way really fast and then quickly forgotten. Um, and, you know, the stuff with the Dream Gate, I mean, it's po- it's polarizing, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. I know the snap judgment on the Dream Gate stuff from pretty much everybody. I mean, I said it to Ho-Ho as I was standing up to leave and that, you know, it felt like they shit the bed there that it needlessly complicated things now i mean i don't know how you guys felt about well i'll say this as somebody who came into 2022 thinking wow if they handle coach menorah right i really think he can be in a headlining position at world this year and through the first three or four months of of 2022 which is a time where i was really into a lot of the different beats going on in drangate it's like, I, th- I think they're going to do it with Menorah. I like Gold Class. I mean, the last time you were on, Gold Class had just formed, and I was raving about this unit. I, I love the way they were laid out. I love their presentation. And as they've dipped more and more into becoming a heel unit with the real big focal point being that angle of the July Corrigan, it was like, I don't know if you're like a TEW or like EWR player, but that was one of those, that show closing angle was one where everybody in the segment lost overness. And I went from really campaigning hard for Menorah and thinking that he was a guy that could be in this top spot, along with Yoshioka, who I also really like, to now going like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want any of these guys in the main event scene. Like, I like the players involved, but the way they got there has really actively turned me off from everybody. Yeah, yeah. My thought on this, basically, at the end of the day, my thought, my thought is this: if they wanted to cement Kota as a heel, the angle's fine. If they're doing all of this to create extra conflict for Yoshioka, you know, he has to go through Kai on the first night, and then he has to go through Minora on the second night, you know. All things considered, at the end of the day, if on August 1st, Yoshioka is the champion, then it's good. It's fine. That being said, did they need to do it this way? And is the timing proper here? I I don't think so. Um, I think that it just kind of murkied the waters that didn't need to be murkied. I mean, Yoshioka was over. He had momentum. People liked him. People were getting behind him. You could have just as easily done Kondo versus Kai on the first night, doing the same deal of Kondo promising, look, you know, I'm not interested in wrestling Kai, Yoshioka, I want to wrestle you for the title, so let's do it. You do Kondo versus Kai on the first night, Kai cheats to win, or whatever, he wins, goes in, Yoshioka beats him the second night. And then from there you have, well, you know, Yoshioka is like, you know, Kondo, you got cheated out of your match. I'm willing to give you a title match. Let's do it. You do the match in Cork, and then you do the stuff with Minora. You know, maybe that's a better way to do it, but that's not how they did it. So, yeah, it, it it's something where I feel like that 
overwhelmingly like the main story and the main characters of the year have been decouraged with uh the the way that that, that they kicked off the year in Corkin and the and walking out of the first two days in Corkin, both of them having all the belts that uh SBK had and you it just kind of felt like that they did all the care for Yoshioka where he was like the clear wrestler of King of Gate and everything seemed to be really going strongly in his direction. It just is something that I I don't know. I'm someone that I kind of like the clean anointing of someone at Kobe world in a ways. And it, and as you said, it just murkies it in a way that Yoshioka feels less over. It felt kind of unnecessary that Yoshioka had to like entertain any of this to begin with with being King of Gate winner. And it, it, it's something that with uh, Gold Class, especially after they dropped the Triangle Gate, that them kind of... It, it was something that you were talking about where people weren't able to kind of figure it out. Now they have figured it out there. And with Menorah, I don't know if it's working the way that it was working a few months ago with this unit, with this concept. And I don't know if, they'll, if the uh, winning two falls straight and all of this is something that's going to make him come off feeling better no i mean the unit is death the unit is such i mean minora you know people are going to shut this episode off um minora has made has done the incredible feat of making ruki doi not over you know i mean like the, you know, if gold, the entire purpose of gold class is to get Minora over, and it hasn't worked. And if anything, Doi is now dead in the water. Ishida is not around. He's hurt. You know, Minorita is Minorita's the only one that's actually coming out of this with an improved position to, to date, anyway. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think we might need to start blowing stuff up after World and reshuffling i mean their their entrance music is like really cheap so there was always even from the beginning the fact that their entrance music was never improved upon was kind of like a flat people were taking it as a flag that it was only a short-term unit but i don't think it was intended to be that way but it might end up having to be that way even like their new go ahead sorry their new t-shirt is just the same logo in a different color like no effort (laughs) to actually make a new (laughs) t-shirt What do you make of the philosophy right now in Dragon Gate where they've got really three heal units? I I think that's a little peculiar. And and New Japan ran into this issue when the pandemic first started. And right when they came back, they were doing all of these angles generated to get heat. But they were in positions where the crowd couldn't, you know, literally based on the rules, couldn't give those desired reactions uh, we're more used to this now, obviously, outside of the 20 glorious minutes of the Torimon reunion show, but it seems like they're pivoting towards like, okay, well, we've got Zebrats, we've got Gold Class, we've got Peros, let's get heat. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do in the current environment. Well, you know, Peros isn't going to be, a, I mean, Peros isn't a Dragon Gate unit. I mean, that's. I thought they that... were running the company. <laughs> no. Um... I'm so sorry. <laughs> You know, like, that's going to be over at World. Um, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. I hope they let Ata go. I mean, it's pro- probably not, but anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're, I, honestly, I don't know what the thinking is 
Like I couldn't even tell you. I mean, it feels like ultimately one of these groups is going to go away and we're either going to have Zebrats and we're either going to have Zebrats or we're going to have gold class. Um, you know, there could be something with, you know, high end implodes. Minora ends up leaving gold class to go to Zebrats. And, you know, like him and let's say Ben K, for example, go to Zebrats. And then, you know, gold class ends up restructuring around Doi, you know, Doi, Yamato, and, you know, just kind of, you know, there could, there's a lot of different avenues to go with. I mean, I think the, the idea right now is that gold class are a different type of heal from zebrats so because of that you're gonna not necessarily have the same kind of heat on that you know zebrats are going to be the traditional you know cheating heals whereas gold class are going to be the strong heals um but you know i don't know i feel like that's all something that's going to get um worked out after after yeah, it does feel like that where in past years, especially like last year, where we're, it was kind of the holding pattern until after World, it just seems like that the world is happening in the middle of a extremely long unit shuffle. And Yeah, instead of everything being ready in time for World and World being kind of the kickoff, right. where everything, everything is finally in place. And I think the Triangle Gate is kind of how can I like it's the most um I'm blanking on the word I want this it's the symbolic on all of this because it's on a you know the the center the 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 centerpiece of the you know the the Dragon Gate six man tag championships is on this other team from another you know this on this team from another promotion and you know, we've got M3K going for it on the first night, and now we've got a three-way on the second night with high ends and vibes. But it doesn't feel like it's going to be a Dragon Gate-esque. Neither one of them feels like it's going to be a, a Dragon Gate-esque six-man tag, you know, Dragon Gate-esque Triangle Gate match. It feels like it's just going to be something else to forward this Peros thing with, you know, whether it continues on and, you know, you know, GM has to get involved or, you know, whatever is going to happen. Yes. Yeah, so talk. Does, does it... Oh yeah. No, it, it's something that coming out of today's Kobe Sambo hall show, they set up the triangle gate that Binke has really kind of, found the confidence to talk that he hasn't had for years and we could talk about if that's a good thing or not but uh so on on the 30th at ultimo's 35th anniversary show we have uh peros del mal de hapon masao rongai eitan kataru suzuki defending against m3k masaki mochizuki susumu mochizuki and mochizuki jr and the winners will face as jay was saying natural vibes and high end on the 31st and three-way match m3k Okay. Honda uh, is the special referee on the first night. Is he going to get the special referee shirt? Um, probably probably the blue shirt with the M2K yes. logo. Um, hope maybe a neck brace. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, that was Nosawa wanted Saito to be the referee. Saito said, 
I'm going to be busy. So, but if you want a special referee, you can have one. And Conda's got nothing going on, so Conda can be the ref. So Conda's going to ref the match. Just the match on the 30th or the 31st? Just the 30th. I'm assuming okay. there's going to be like a Kung Fu versus M3K eight man on the second night or, or something. So M3K, uh, we, we have not talked about M3K, Jay, since uh, Mochizuki Jr.'s <laughs> debut. Boy, what a wool over the eyes uh, pull off with that. And since then, uh, Mochizuki Jr. had a little bit of back issues, has come come back out and is now kind of where I guess we kind of figured he would be going into this weekend. Uh, what's been your impression about the latest M2K revival so far? Um, when Junior's not around, it's kind of sad. Um, there was like when he got hurt and he was out, there was like those, those shows in Fukuoka where it's just like, it's a bunch of old guys with bleach blonde hair. So it's kind of sad, but, um, you know, when he's around, it's cool. You know, I like the idea of Mochizuki forcing these guys to go and bleach their hair and come out on the kickboards to help, you know, get his kid you know, get his kids started in his career. Um, I wouldn't mind if they won the titles. I think it would be a cool story. Um, I don't know what the long-term future of it is. Um, I mean, ultimately, well, I mean, ultimately it's got to lead to junior and dad having a singles match with him saying, look, I don't need your help anymore. And, you know, they wrestle and then that's the end of M3K. I mean, it feels like that's the ultimate end of it, but it, you know, it's cool. It's a, you know, standard, you know, nod to the past while playing to the future thing. So it's cool. On our end, uh, we were completely taken aback by the announcement that uh, Mochizuki Jr. existed. Uh, I, I believe at some point I knew that Mochizuki had a kid, but I did not know he was obviously training to be a wrestler. Was that something, w when that was unveiled at the Torimon show, was that a surprise to most people in attendance? For fans, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it had never been like they had protected, you know, his identity, you know, as a young boy, you know, that's why they named, that's why they gave him the Edo name from the time that he started appearing at ringside. So yeah, I don't think no one knew it was a big shock for, and, you know, people. Not and I feel like that they kind of took care. Like I only remember one future match with junior making tape. So it wasn't like that. They exposed them enough. They can be like, Hey, he kind of looks like Mochi here. So I, I feel like that they, that, that they had him out there just enough that they, that it could get pulled off to get the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's such a ridiculous story that no one, no one would see it coming. You know, like the idea that, you know, when it's usually those types of things, it becomes a a news story before the debut to drum up attention for the debut match. You know, we saw it with, you know, with the Ihashis, um, you know, Strong Machine J, there was the press conference, you know, announcing that he was debuting, you know, so typically in those situations, there'd be some kind of some kind of something, um, you know, like Minoru Tanaka and Yumi Fukawa's daughter joined um, something. I don't remember which group she joined, but she joined something. So she's going to be wave. A, yeah, another thoroughbred wrestler coming out. I mean, they had a press conference to announce she was joining. She said she was going to start training. I mean, that's not even like 
to become, you know, to debut as a wrestler or anything like that, just that she was starting training to see if she likes it or not. So, you know, typically in these types of situations, especially in Japan where this is like a big deal, you know, they would have, the expectation would be that this would be announced beforehand. So it was, um, it was cool how they. Are there any kids in the current future class that have really caught your eye? Kato, um, the power guy. He's the, the the really big big dude. Um, yeah, he was on he was on the show today against Nagano. Um, you know he's you know because of his size, I think he's going to get all the chances. Um, he's also pretty athletic. Um, and Nishikawa is also really good. Um, also super athletic. He can fly, and he's he's tall like Skywalker. So he's kind of kind of in the Skywalker mold. Of he's a going to be a big kind of just because of how much bigger he is than everybody he's going to have that power advantage but he can also he can also fly um i don't know what kind of timeline those guys are on but um you know they both i think one of them will probably end up going overseas without debuting um but you know which which one it's going to be you know that kind of changes with the wind so um and Naga, you know, Nagano is good, but he's he's nondescript, so he's kind of fighting. He's going to be fighting an uphill battle to stand out amongst this group. Yeah, I I think it was last week that had Kato versus Nagano, and Kato, it, it's something maybe that we're so used to. Like Dragon Gate Heights, for the most part, are pretty gradual, and but like seeing him, like just kind of like tower over and away i was like oh this if he makes it through this kid's gonna get a lot of shots and it was kind of impressive to me at least in future matches that he was willing to already use his size in exhibitions and i thought that that was pretty i i thought that that was a pretty encouraging thing to see so early yeah yeah i think he's got great monster heel potential in him just because of how big he is and he's kind of got a i don't want to say he's ugly but he's kind of got that like he could make he could kind of mean mug and be that kind of overpowering heel. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be good, you know, if, as long as he, you know, makes it through his first 18 months or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. If he makes it, I, I think that's kind of a lesson we have learned over the last years is give them time, let it see how things shake out and then to kind of take stock a year in and see like, okay, we'll, we'll see if he, it has it is sticking around because he does have kind of like i don't want to call him like a shrek like person but he does have like the monster heel look that he's going to have some really good uh just just monster looks when they decide to have him do a heel yeah yeah he's uh he's also he's i think he's the one i think is ex-police so um i don't know do with that information what you will in terms of <laughs> I believe it was the last time Jay was on that he said the last time I went all in on a rookie, he turned into uh, unfortunately being a DJ. And that is a, a lesson that uh, once again, Drangate fans have learned the hard way over the past six months with uh, Sato and Ricky going away that, oh boy, those rookies look promising. And it, it unfortunately does not always turn out to be what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sato, it was a miracle. He got as far as he did. Um, I think he, I think he I think the intention was all it, it ended the way it was always going to end. I think he was just 
trying to push it, but ultimately it was going to always end this way. Um, you know, as for Ricky, you know, men mental health is a bitch, you know, um, it's something that, you know, I don't know him. I didn't never really talk to him that much, but I can glean, you know, from his history, you know, he kind of went through the same thing in acting when he was in acting school. Um, you know, he was in a very prestigious acting school here in Tokyo. Like he got scouted to go. So he was on like a free ride at this, this acting school. And he just, you know, decided one day he didn't want to be an actor. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, if it's what you're doing is not making you happy, then you got to stop doing it. So, you know, it's from, from the perspective of, you know, he was a promising rookie in Dragon Gate and all that. From that perspective, it sucks. But from the other perspective, I've got to give it to him for having the courage to do it. Yeah, so, and yeah, absolutely. And, and to figure it out, you know, and not have to put yourself through it if you're not of the mental space to wanting to be there. I mean, pulling the ripcord, saving himself, I mean, makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, being able yeah, I think so. Um, and Fuda, I know people are asking about Fuda. Fuda's around. He broke something. Broke. Hoho said he broke his ribs, but he also wasn't entirely sure about that information what he what exactly he broke but he broke something um he's around he's just not ready he's not have you had any interactions with kakuta since he returned he's been somebody that has intrigued me because it seems like one night he's on and and i i look at him and i think yeah that's you know that's a guy that can go back to challenges <laughs> to the dream gate one day and then some nights i'm like i, I he he needs to be in an eight man with punch like i don't i don't know where his head's at right now um, no, we've kind of got this inside joke in that, um, I'm, I'm a curse if he talks to me because we had <laughs> kind of like a long chat, like I kind of had like a get to know you chat with him just so I could talk about him on commentary for his Dreamgate title match. And then he went out, went out and got hurt. So now it's kind of like, uh, I see him and he kind of gives me like the, oh, I can't talk to you. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's all, it's all in fun, but it's kind of, I haven't. Really, I haven't really chatted that much with him since then because. Well, what looking... about? Oh, oh, sorry, ahead, Mike. Guys. I've got one more question. Just while yeah. we're talking about names and guys on the roster, uh, and we maybe could have got to this during Kobe World Preview, but I'm just curious now since you talked about guys that have gotten hurt recently, the confidence that we've seen from Strong Machine J. This is a guy who I was super critical of for the longest time. I, I thought the machines served their purpose, but I personally got tired of it really soon. The machines ended, he gets thrown into Dragon Gate generation, and I don't really think he ever found his place there. Six months ago, I was very concerned about his long-term stability within Dragon Gate. Now he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the company. Do you have any insight onto what has changed with Strong Machine J? Because he carries himself like such a more confident man than he was doing at this time last year. He's healthy and they gave him something to do. I mean, he was always good. You know, it's just the the machines gimmick itself, the machines team itself was death because the style, it's, you know, it's this Showa era gimmick and, you know, they've got to work that machine style and it's just not something, it's not something that's conducive to the Dragon Gate environment. Um, and besides, I mean, he's always been 
very good. He's always been a, a great talker, very confident. And, you know, I think putting him with natural vibes, you know, it allows him to develop a character outside of just being Strong Machine J's kid or strong, Super Strong Machine's kid. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that's what jumped out to me is I, you know, I obviously didn't know he was a world class breakdancer, but I'm just seeing charisma from him that I didn't know he had in him because his sole purpose is no longer just identifying as strong machine J. Yeah. And it's something that at least like he's behind the eight ball just because of the fact that he has his dad's mask. You you can't really see any facial emotions out of it, but him going into and tapping into his history of uh, breakdancing in a way, it just exudes physical charisma that in a that he just was not going to be able to have in a way. And it's just like, oh, I remember seeing him on like some of the network stuff where he's talking and he came off as very charming beforehand. But I was like, I don't know how you translate that with his gimmick. Well, just have him breakdance and, and people can just pick up on the fact that this is an incredibly charismatic person. Yeah, I hadn't... I... I knew he was joining Natural Vibes. Like when I got, um, kind of had a, a little talk about you know where d- the direction that things were going like around February, I think, and they were like, well, you know, Jason and Machine J are probably going to join Vibes. I was like, Jason, I could see it, but Machine, Machine J, I don't know, is it going to be like a comedy thing or what? But like, it, it works. It really works. Like so much of the like when they were doing the stuff with him and Ata doing like the fist bumps and all that, I kind of figured that they had you know, change their mind and thought better of it or, you know, whatever. But uh, no, they stuck with it and it, it worked. I mean, and for, and, you know, for me, I was ready for vibes to end again, but they've done a great job in refreshing it and making it, you know, continuing to make it, you know, kind of like the bright spot, the, the guaranteed bright spot on, uh, you know, on these cards that have not had a lot of bright spots these days. Personally, I've kind of felt that, you know, like in the first half of the year with all of the rookies on the undercard, it kind of gave you something to watch on the undercard. Even, even if it was still a lot of kind of random, random tag matches, it was going to be, well, what's, you know, what's, what's Fujiwara going to do tonight? Or, you know, what, you know, what are the, you know, what are the Ihashi's going to do tonight or something like that? And, you know, now, you know, Takuma's in Mexico and, you know, everyone else is out. So it's just kind of Ishin hanging on there. But it, otherwise, these undercards are just these kind of randomly thrown together tag matches. So, like, the decourage stuff has been good, but the vibe stuff has really been the only, like, guarantee. Like, the lock on every show is, is you know, the stuff with Jack, the stuff with Jason, you know, and now the stuff with Machine J. It's crazy to think that somebody who's been wrestling for less than a year could have such an impact not being on these shows, but that has been one of my big takeaways is since the middle of May, not having Takuma around, you, exactly what you said. It's like, all right, now this, you know, this match two, six man, would be really fun if Takuma was in it, but he's not, and I don't know if you feel this way, Jay, but I feel his his lack of presence has at least hurt my enjoyment of some of these some of these shows and i don't know if you've seen him work in mexico yet but in my opinion he's adapted pretty well thus far it seems like he's having a good time over there but i i almost need him back in japan just because he 
or he felt like a part of the family by the time he had left. He felt like an integral part of this promotion. Yeah, I was saying this to saying this to Ho um, that I would have held off on sending him, um, not for a terribly long time, but I would have I would have waited until after World to send him just because he was becoming an attraction on the undercard um, to the point that um, it feels like kind of a waste not having him around for world. I mean, you could have done, again, this is more booking. This is more fantasy booking out of my ass stuff here, but you know, you could have probably gotten here in the same way that like, if you, this thing with Ben K and high end, you know, you could have had high end, pick Fujiwara to be like a third on their team over Ben K and then, you know, have the match they lose. And then, you know, like afterwards high end can invite him and then he can say no again to them and they get, so, you know, they get rejected again by a potential recruit and then he goes to Mexico, but it just, it keeps him around. It gives him a spot on the world card. He could do the, do a big moonsault, do a big dive, or you know whatever it was just kind of gives him one last spotlight before he goes rather than having him on a third match third match card in Sambo Hall and then you know just this cold announcement from you know GM and Dragon that they're going to Mexico you know it it felt like a waste as far as the timing goes Estrella you could send whenever that's fine Fujiwara I it was so abrupt. It was, you know, I, I didn't watch that Kobe show live. So waking up and saying, oh, wait, he's oh, he's going to Mexico and he's going now was was pretty jarring. And it's something for Futawara, like even outside of like playing off of high end, not being able to recruit at all. You, you could have had like the the like nice uh, a special singles match send off that they've done before with people and because yeah, like yeah. he. You you look at the card and at least without like changing any of the championship matches, you still have some people there that have been like, okay, special singles match have uh, Fujiwara versus Fuji. You could have done that here. Um, and, yeah, you could do it on both nights. You have him wrestle whoever on the first night and whoever on the second night loses loses both matches, and then he does the thing. Well, you know, I came in to world, I had these two chances, and I couldn't make the most of it, so I need to get stronger. So I'm going to go to Mexico you know something like that it gives him a story for going it gives him some spotlight before he does and you know i think he come he comes up as better for it but i don't know if it's because he doesn't have a U he doesn't have a u.s visa i know so i know a lot of people are wondering when he was going to get booked in the u.s he doesn't have a visa so he's not going to be able to leave mexico so. yeah I, I noticed that, and I immediately had my eyebrow raised, and I, I had to remind myself, he only debuted in November. These things take forever to get a visa, and he just turned the age of majority. Yeah, yeah. I, my impression is the, the the visas were a batch application. Um, and, you know, m the list of people that doesn't have them is shorter than the list of people that does. Um, but... Everyone from, I guess, from Ishin onwards was too late for that. So those guys don't don't have don't have visas. So Takuma will not be coming to won't be coming to the U.S. But um, well, I wish he oh, was still ahead. around. Yeah, no, he definitely feels mixed or missed. Uh, 
you brought up a natural vibes in with Jason. That is the uh, Twin Gate match on the first night at Ultimo 35 going against Diamante and Shun Skywalker, him and Jackie Funky Kamei. And Jason and Natural Vibes has been such like a breath of fresh air. But the thing that's really like stood out for me, like during like this third chapter of Natural Vibes, is how much like Jackie Funky Kamei has grown into this position of first being kind of like the understudy loss post to now being just as much of a frontline fighter as anyone in this unit. And he's getting a big title match against a very imposing Twin Gate champion team in Zebrat. Well, it's not natural vibes. It's Kung Fu. These are, this is, it's Kung Fu Jason and Jack for this match. Oh, I, I missed that from today. I did not know that they were going to be doing the Kung Fu Masters gimmick. Well, it's Kobe, so if they're in Kobe, it's going to be Kung Fu. I thought that that was just venue-specific. I did not know that we're now opening up Kung Fu Masters to the entirety of Kobe. That changes. Well, it's, you know, it's it's to draw from Chinatown in Kobe. So, you know, World Hall is not that far from Sambo Hall. So, um, but yeah, they're going to be there as Kung Fu. Um, but yeah, no, Jack has been, I don't know what it is. It's just leaning kind of into the goofy side of the character you know the goof and just like kind of embracing that side of it i think at first it was um all right well we're gonna we're gonna make you funky and you know okay what does that mean <laughs> and you know like you're supposed to be this kind of serious so you're gonna kind of turn you into this meme character and you do the pow 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 thing where it's obvious that you don't you know you don't go to clubs, you don't dance, you don't do any of this, but now kind of leaning into the absurdity of it and also coming into the fact that he's getting more experienced and he's getting really, really good. You know, like it was always going to be the thing, even as around the time that he had the matches with SB last year, or it's like, you know, UT is going to be seeing, you know, UT is going to be the one falling down, you know, like this, this, you know, pecking order isn't going to stay the same, you know, Jack is going to be a big problem for, for UT in terms of positioning and in, in vibes, but I think they've kept the balance, you know, really well. And, you know, adding Jason and uh, adding Jason and machine J have kind of kept the balance to the point now where no one really draw is the one that obviously drops the falls, you know, boss will lose here and there jason will lose ut will lose jack will lose but at the same time it's that same position where any of them can also win at any given time it's kind of the you know hyo is the same you know he's another guy that has gotten really good totally by accident um but he's now doesn't matter if he loses because it's Hyo, but at the same time he can win at any given time, and then you're like, well, it's Hyo, he can win at any, at, you know, at any time. So, and he's a perfectly credible Brave Gate challenger now, even to the point where you know he goes to Noah and he wins, and you know, from the Dragon Gate perspective, you know, he in the match he wins. So, from the Dragon Gate fans' perspective, it's like, well, you know, that's you know, Hyo is good like that, and it, but at the same time, well, the Noah guys are losing to Hyo. But then when Hyo loses, it's like, well, it's Hyo. Who cares? <laughs> so he's that kind of like that Horiguchi position. Yeah, that's I, I, I may have even asked you this at one point, but it's funny you you anoint that to Hyo because I, I look at Kamei and I see somebody who 
could really at some point fill the role that Horiguchi now has of being this public facing energetic sort of in one being the vibe of this entire promotion obviously he spent an entire year Kamei did with Horiguchi do you know if there was anything intentional on that end of preparing some of the newer generation to fill almost the PR void of a Genki and a Susumu when they eventually phase out no I just think it's you know Jack is a natural baby face much like Horiguchi was yeah makes sense and speaking of Hyo, he's getting the uh, the Bravegate shot on the 30th against Dragon Daya. And yes. Jay, it, I'm looking at this card, and other than like the belts that we expect to move around just because of how things have been going on this, am I just talking myself into being disappointed thinking that we might be entering like the era of the great brain Bravegate champion? Like we um... might have... Like the, well, the, the old shenanigans that like Gamma had over this title. Well, they did announce tonight there's a there's going to be a battle royal on the first night, and the battle royal winner gets a brave gate shot on the second night. Um, so that's something else maybe to consider. They didn't say who is in the battle royal, but you can kind of assume that it's probably going to be like. I don't know, Ho-Ho, Shenlong, SB, Ishin, you know, those type of guys. Um, I don't know. My thought on this is I would rather see Daya hold on to it, but that really depends on where the other championships are going. If the Triangle Gates are mo- if the Triangle Gate is moving off of Peros and are going to go on to KZ, Boss, and Machine J, then Hill can win the Brave Gate. But if the Triangle Gate is staying with Peros, then I'd want to see the Brave Gate stay on Daya because I would really rather only have one championship be involved in like shitty heel shenanigans at, at a time. Yeah, and the other side of that coin is that you would have at least one strong babyface champion at any Right, right. Um, which could be, Yoshi- I mean, could be Yoshioka. Sure. And could I mean it could be Jack and Jason as Twin Gate champions? You know, I mean that's also something that could happen. So I don't know. I mean, I think Hyo has a pretty good chance to win here. Um, Dia's had the, the the title for a long time. Hyo seems to have him figured out. Um, you know, the double countouts were kind of his way of scouting, so to speak. So, I mean, he could have something. He could win. Um, feel like if the Battle Royal goes first, then the battle ro- whoever wins the Battle Royal might spoil it. Um, you know, if it's someone like SB again, then maybe that, that spoils the result of the Brave Gate match. But I don't know. I, don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. I personally, my prediction, I would go with Daya for this. Um but Hyo does have a pretty good shot. I mean, as far as all of my predictions for the weekend, it's the one I'm least solid. Has Daya gotten any better at skateboarding since the last time we talked? Well, he didn't have it for a month or so. <laughs> how, how could I forget it was stolen from him? <laughs> uh, so. I enjoyed that. I enjoy any kleptomaniac Don Fuji story. It says he can ollie now. He hasn't, he hasn't proved it to me. 
Okay. Well, I, I look forward to that social media coverage at Kobe World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I was actually planning on only being in and out. I was going to go and like show up at bell time on the first night and do the do the Austin Aries roll out of the ring and walk right to the back <laughs> after the bell on the second night and, and get out of town. But um, yeah, maybe on the first, I got to, I've got to go. The network is going to be there for the, the contract signings on the first night. So I've got to go for that. So maybe, maybe there's a chance. I just want to see, I mean, with skate now being in development, I mean, I, I think it's time to start seeing Daya put together at least a run that he can do on a skateboard. I'm not asking him to, you know, do a full 90 second. Uh, I'm thinking about old X gamers or all here, not what the Olympic is, but I, I think that he should be able to at Kobe world, be able to pull off at least one trick. Well, I mean, I told him he's got, I told him, I told him back in February, he's got five months to get confident enough to ollie the stairs and he was like ah. and he made a, he made, a, he, made a, he kind of made a face at me and i'm like you you did a dive off the ramp last year it's the same thing and he was like no 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 totally different scary 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 well looking at other stuff that we have on this uh 30th show you mentioned that we have a whole lot of anniversaries and celebrations going on and we still are awaiting word on the opponents for Kakatora's 20th anniversary match where he's teaming with uh, Jensei Senzaki and Taro Nohashi. A nice, uh, impro- a nice uh, Michinoku Pro reunion there. But Dragon Kid teaming with Masato Tanaka against Yamato and BB Hulk on night one. First time Tanaka's been in since Kobe World 2018, I think. Something like that. Is Tanaka a draw for you personally at all, Jay? Because I, I find it very funny that he's one of the outsiders that always pops up, but I also know your taste, and I don't know if that does anything for you or not. No, I think the only people that, in, in terms of the Dragon Gate, in terms of speaking entirely in Dragon Gate perspective, I think the only people that care about Masato Tanaka are like non-Dragon Gate fans on Twitter. I think that are the tracks. only people that they are the only people that get excited about Masato Tanaka in Dragon Gate. He's like one of those guys that like, I understand, you know, I respect, you know, I res- respect him as a wrestler and all of that, but like doesn't, uh, doesn't fit. And the fan, the fan, the Dragon Gate fan base doesn't give a single, the fact that Yamato and BB Hulk are in, are teaming together in this match and this match has no buzz tells you pretty much everything about this match and how, you know, what Masato Tanaka means to Dragon Gate fans. Again, no disrespect intended. It's just, it's a different, you know, it's a different audience. Did Yamato wrestling a Noah mean anything to Dragon Gate fans? I didn't get the chance to watch that Triangle Gate match yet, but I'm just no. fascinated that, yeah, I, that's, I, that's what I assumed. No, no, syner- fascinated. yeah, there's no, no synergy between the two fan bases at all on the Noah side. It's just, we don't care about these Dragon Gate titles. And on the Dragon Gate side, it's just, when can we get these titles out of Noah? That's a, that's a tough conquest, but uh, yeah, no, that's, I, it's just interesting for me to watch Yamato in a different environment. And that was, you know, the only intrigue I had about that, uh, that about that match, because other than that, it's just a Triangle Gate match that I'm not super into. Right. I mean, it was, it was the most, 
Dragon Gate environment that he could be in an outside environment, you know, because it's, you know, four out of the six guys are Dragon Gate guys. So it's not like, um, you know, it's not like it was him going in and wrestling, I don't know, whoever else, whoever, whoever else they have <laughs> in that company. Nakajima or whoever. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I mean, it's not like he hasn't wrestled Nakajima a million times anyway, so. That's true, yeah. It, it, I, I think the person we were looking for is May Bakhtan. Right. I would I would have wished that on Yamato. Someone, yeah, or whatever. One of the one of the one of the funky guys, whatever. But no, no, there's no, you know, even even less now than in the past. I don't think there's very little in the way of care about that. I think wrestling in general in Japan has pared, really pared down to where people stay in their niches in terms of their fan base. Um, unless it's new Japan, you know, I say this all the time, you know, aside from new Japan there, everything else is a niche and there is very little cross pollination now, as opposed to maybe pre pandemic, you know, because people aren't as apt to go out and see something that isn't like a guaranteed good time, I guess is the way to say. Yeah. No, that all lines up. I spent some time over the last few weeks looking through just like from like a macro sense, how things have gone, at least in Cork and Hall over COVID. And it's something that like not very much correlation between promotions. And if it's not New Japan or something that is a, uh, trying to think the right way to put it, something celebrating the past. It, it, yeah. it just doesn't seem like it's breaking out much further than the core audience of the promotion. Like it was yeah. like the top two attended shows were all like, it was like the jumbo the anniversary. 60th anniversary shows. Yeah. Yeah. We're the only ones that came close with that had 1500 people there. At the- yeah. Yeah. And there's, and you know, everybody else has killed their business. I mean, you know, a lot of these groups went into the pandemic, not doing well. And, you know, and the pandemic was just, you know, it was just the mercy shot, you know, like the last, you know, I, I don't know, bullet in the head, but it's like the extra bullet in the knees. You know, it's, it's the RoboCop scene, you know, the RoboCop scene where he comes in and shoots, shoots his dude in the knees and then puts the grenade down. Like a lot of these promotions are just waiting for the grenade to blow up at, the, at this point. Yeah. N- the seeing how many times Noah ran Cork in over the last two and a half years definitely made me feel I that. Don't yeah. wanna, yeah. I don't want to want to piss Noah fans off by talking about Noah's business. Um, That's. I just I'll just put I'll, I'll leave it at this that um, one of the two conglomerates that own multiple pro wrestling companies did things the right way with their most recent acquisition, and the other one didn't. I think that's one, a very fair thing. To one say. of them, one of them learned from their mistakes, and the other one has not learned from their mistakes in terms of the buildings they run and the takeaways from what you know. The you know they took away the right things from the results from the buildings that they ran and are properly scaling going forward to maximize what they've learned from that. And the other promotion isn't, and you see it when you watch their shows and that's has nothing to do with dragon gate so sorry 
<laughs> no, no, I, I think that's a very fair way of putting that, Jay. Uh, something that was announced that they really haven't built up that I know that you're definitely the person to talk to about this on the 30th is the revival of the Bosu 10-match series for Konamawa Ichikawa. Uh, Jay, do you mind like running down kind of the history of these uh, uh, Stalker Chikawa trial series? Um, yeah, I mean, this is like any time any match that has happened in history on a big show where you know he's wrestled some famous outsider. You know, the match with uh Takayama is probably the most famous. He's also, I mean, he's wrestled Choshu, he's wrestled Koshinaka, wrestled Aja Kong, you know, he's wrestled. Nagata has always been one of my favorite ones, the Yuji Nagata match. Did he did wrestle Yuji Nagata? Um, so they've got a super super important mystery opponent. It's got to be Kojima. It's got to be Kojima because that's the meme in Japan right now. Because Noah, when they announced him as the mystery guy, it was like the mystery guy to end all mystery guys. So it's kind of become this meme now where if it's someone is X, it's got to be Kojima because Kojima is the end all be all of mystery opponents or mystery partners. So it's got to be Kojima, right? I was thinking that, I mean, Ultimo unilaterally booking stuff from the Isle of Capri. I was thinking that, oh, hey, put Muto in here for this. But Kojima, yeah. I don't think Muto is going to wrestle. I think he's gonna. I think he'll show up. I mean, it could be it could be Muta, you know, because then he wouldn't have to do it. I mean, he would have to do even less. You just have to come out and spit mist, and that'd be it. But no, I don't think Muto. I don't think they could. I, I wouldn't. I, if you're gonna bring Muto, pay me more. I would rather. Have yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My my thought was uh, Muto as well, but I really I don't. I, I want to see him versus Ichikawa, but I also don't want to see Muto. So I'm gonna. I, it's a rock and a hard place with me. Yeah. But Ko, Kojima I, would be fun. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, we don't even know. They've announced absolutely nothing for what Ultimo's match is going to be. We have to assume Santo is going to be in it. But otherwise, I mean, they haven't announced the match constellation. Is it going to be Dragon and Santo against? Muto and someone, or is it going to be a big? I mean, most of the guys you would think would be in that match, you know, guys like Dragon Kid. Dragon Kid has a match already. I guess you could put Horiguchi in there. And Doi. Doi, but Doi's a heel now, so he can't be in that. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Um, Who else doesn't have a match? You could put Con- you could put Kondo and you could put G- GM, you could put Fuji. Um, I mean, I guess that's like Muto, Santo, and Kondo against Fuji, Horiguchi, GM, like some combination of that. Or if Muto is going to wrestle, put Muto in there. I mean, I don't... The fact that they haven't announced what type of match it is. I mean, it could be Dragon versus Santo singles match. I don't know. Um, gosh, what? You can't have Diamante being there as the Ultimo safety guy because Diamante is in a title match. Yeah, Diamante like has a match. I mean, I thought it was going to be Dragon versus Diamante, mask versus mask. I mean, that's when they 
first announced that, I thought that was going to be it, but obviously not. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, who else? Oh, um, someone else's uh, bodyguard is here too. I think. Oh he my god, another, that's right. He's another guy that was announced. I for, I've kind of lost track of all the guys that have been announced for this. So bodyguard has been announced for this. Right. He's on only the first. I'm not taking proper notes on this. So I have to like scroll through my Twitter feed. So Nohashi and Shinzaki are there for Kagetora's match. Um, we don't know his opponents, but I think if his opponents were going to be guys from outside, that we would know who it is by now. I think a lot of people instantly went to like Hayato, Ken, and Manjimaru. Right, natural Michinoku Pro crossover right. there. But I think they would have announced that. I mean, obviously, I mean, we're it's Sunday night, eight p. It's almost nine p.m. Japan time, Sunday night, and this stuff could all very well get announced any time, any time now. Um, but I think that that's something they would have wanted to announce, like in the ring ahead of time. I mean, there's also the other name that you would think would be Ishimori because he was Kagetora's um debut opponent so the idea you're of keeping his opponents a mystery until the last minute kind of implies that there was going to be further mystery guys coming in for it but it could just be they just didn't want to spoil what the card was going to be until all the other matches were made and it's just going to whoever from dragon gate also, yeah. so Sato is going to be on both nights. Um, Tanaka is going to be in for Dragon Kids match. Kanjiro Matsuyama is going to be on one night or both nights. I think just the second. Oh, if he was going to be on the first night, he would have been one of the perfect people for Kakatora's match. So bodyguard is only going to be on the first. I think bodyguard is has got to be in dragon's match. I think he's I think he's got to be in dragon's match. Is there a stronger relationship there that I'm not aware of? Um, they were both in all Japan. I mean, bodyguard is a guy that has. I don't want. He has massive ticket selling power within his circle. So if you book him on a show, he's kind of like a power broker in that sense. Um, so I think that they're just friends from when they were in All Japan together. Does Santo coming over for these shows mean anything to the native fan base? No, no. People don't care. <laughs> That's what don't. Mike was saying. And I was like, oh, no, it's Santo. People still might care. But uh, no, not in, not, not in Japan, no. Okay, so 30th and 31st has Gurukun and Owashi are both on. And Kanjiro is on the second night only. Um, so Owashi is also probably a pretty good candidate for Dragon's Match. I have to say, you put out the idea of on one side of the ring, Heel Del Santo, and the other side of the ring, Bodyguard. And I don't know if it's the sicko side of me. I've really been embracing just like 
<laughs> the, 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 just things that just amuse myself. But Santo and bodyguard facing off now needs to happen. You've put the thought in my head. Yeah, it's Jay. just like a total, total degenerate pairing. It's got to happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least uh, uh, the fans might not know who Santo is, or maybe have only like briefly heard of him. But I know Depo Mart would love to have some of the masks to sell. If yeah, well. He's kind of like he's actually making an appearance at the fan party, but it's like him and Dragon are going to come out like in the middle, have like a little talk show, sell expensive masks and portraits, and then dip out immediately. Like they're not going to stick around for the whole thing. It's like whatever. So, yeah, those are all the guest guys. Um, so we've got Kagetora's match. We don't know his opponents. Um, it could either be more guys from outside or it could just be, I don't know, it could be. Shachi Hoko boy, Chisa boy, and Yoshida, or yeah, yeah or, or Yoshida, Yoshida yeah. or something, you know, something like that. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that don't have matches. Um, so we'll see on that. Um, Dragons match, we don't know yet. What else do we have here? Just to kind of run down, they did a bunch of, and th- we've got Kai versus Yoshioka as the main event for the first night. And what's your read on on the Dreamgate scene? Is is there an outcome that you think is more likely than others? I, 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 Yoshioka winning both matches is the only outcome to me. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't it, think there's anything else that can happen here that has anything positive attached to it. Yeah, I just... Thinking of the idea of Kodaman or a heel Kodaman or a penning... I, I mean, Kai would be bad, but penning Yoshioka after like a 20, less than 24 hour Dreamgate run, that's just, I think that's the fear scenario at this point for me, because I think that hurts both of them tremendously. Yeah, that's a doomsday scenario. Absolutely. Like, I think that the company has lost the plot if that's where it goes. Um, that's all, I, that's really all I've got to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um a heel has never won in the main event at World to date. So I don't, uh, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think, I don't think you needed to do it. I think you could have done Kondo and Kai on night one and then Yoshioka versus either one on the second night and it would have been perfectly fine. The other thing is the, the psychology behind the three way tonight kind of made no sense. Um, I think it should have just been one fall. The guy who gets the fall picks his shot. The the guy who got pinned is out. The guy who won the fall picks his shot. And the other guy, the guy who didn't score a fall, gets stuck with whatever's left over rather than having it go, go all the way to elimination. And I think the fact that they went that far and had Minowara get a decisive win gives a little bit of hope to the idea that it's going to be Yoshioka overcoming all of this and coming out of it. And it's just, it's given, you know, if it's to put Minora in this position, you know, like Minora keeps getting handed all of these positions, you know, like this is, this is something I'm going to go over on commentary. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much on the mixtape because I want y'all to buy the album, but you know, one of the, common threads with a lot of chances that Minowara gets is that he doesn't deserve any of them. He just kind of walks in and takes it. 
So like when he got in, got put back into King of Gate, you know, you could feel like that collective groan of like, oh my God, they put this guy back in King of Gate. He's going to win this, isn't he? And just, you know, his position now has become that guy of like, oh my God, Minora's back in this. He's going to win this, isn't he? So just putting that little bit of doubt and that little bit of dread you know, if if Yoshioka walks away from both of these knights as champion, you know, if it was Kondo versus Kai and then Yoshioka versus Kondo or Kai, it's easy to read, right? You know, it's like, you know, the matches are going to be good, but obviously Yoshioka is coming out of this. I think by planting a little bit of doubt and having you think, oh my god, they're going to, they've stuck Minora in this at the last minute and he's going to win. I think putting that little bit of doubt will make it that much more cathartic when Yoshioko does win on the second night. So from that aspect, if that's what happens, I applaud it. And I think it, you know, then I I'll think, okay, I shouldn't have doubted this, but until that result happens, there is that little bit of doubt that, Oh my God, they're going to abandon the guy who got super over organically and they're going to force Minora. You know, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If anything, that kind of completely different promotion, it kind of was how I was feeling going into like Forbidden Door and, and AEW. Where it's like I wasn't really enjoying the build to it, but then the show happened. And I was like, okay, the show made it worth it in retrospect. And if Yoshioka overcomes Minora after beating Kai, it'll be a very cathartic thing. And then also the fans would be like, oh, the, the guy who gets handed everything on a silver platter is getting his lunch served to him by the guy who's quietly been been never put a wrong foot ahead of him is taking care of business there it, it will be such a cathart yeah you know the guy who we went through this year and a half of minora being you know the top push young guy and this other guy this and while this other guy brooded under a mask for the same amount of time and then he took the mask off and it turns out he's a better version of minora in every way he came out and and took it and earned it, you know, takes the mask off. He's handsome. He's bulked up, got a great body. His dick's huge. Everything is perfect. He should be the champion, right? So as long as that's where it goes, it's it's fine. And I'm willing to forgive the fact that they've stumbled a bit getting here um, with the timing on some of these things. But but we shall see, right? In terms of the the third party in this Dream Deep fiasco, that being the champion in this case, it's weird to think that Kai's been around for four years now. I still have a bit of a blocker up of thinking he's some outsider that is going to eventually depart and will just act like it never happened. But he's now an integral part of their history and has had this Dreamgate run that I think has been pretty impressive, especially everything post the Yoshida defense. But what are your thoughts on Kai as a champion? Um, his everything when it comes to business time, he's been great. Everything in between business time has not been, you know, has been pretty whatever. You know, that, that is always my complaint with him is the the road to matches, for lack of a better term never connect with me, but you know, I love the Shimizu match. The Susumu match is maybe the best thing I've seen this year. And I trust him that on this stage, given his prior history that he can deliver in this spot. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I would agree 100% with that. I think that he's, you know, I don't think he's going into the second night as champion. Um, so because of that, you know, he doesn't ultimately isn't going to be like the final boss. You know, he's like, he's the final boss, but then the unseen evil appears out of nowhere and becomes the real final boss sort of thing. And you know, that unseen evil is Minora, but, um, you know, he is for a guy who had no chance of being Dreamgate champion until he just suddenly was Dreamgate champion. You know, he's done a great job of anchoring the top of the card this year. What happens when he's not champion anymore? I don't know. But, you know, his time as champion has been been very good. He's going to be fascinating. Like the whole state of Zebrats will be fascinating with the prospect of what happens now. Kai as the leader of love, his leadership was derived because he was champion. What happens now in Zebrats without him with the belt in August? Right. That's going to be something to watch, isn't it? Um, I mean, he could, he could, he could win both nights. He could still be champion. You don't know. We didn't think he'd, we didn't think he'd be champion at all. He could just go in and medio impact both guys and it's done. It's done. <laughs> and the, how can we doubt him after he had the biggest upset? He could be the first heel walking in and walking out his dream. Walking in two nights. Yeah. You know, and it could, it, it could happen. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is, um, I guess this is, I guess this is news. I don't know, but this is like Hulk accidentally, accidentally revealed this on a radio show he was on so i guess i could say it but i guess kai is like officially like contracted and is dragon gate affiliated like it's not i don't know if it's freelance contract like guys like gamma and kage used to have or what but he's he's contracted now it's not just here as a freelancer with so i think um you know he's not outsider champion he's just strong heel champion has there I'm this could be an obvious answer that I'm just not thinking of but now that you say that has there been an outsider that has not trained in the Dragon Gate system had no real affiliation prior to debuting that has earned a contract the way that Kai has or is he sort of the first of this mold Well there's Gamma Oh true yeah okay I mentioned Oku Osaka's yeah okay all right yeah Well Kishiwada is champion, but that was also Osaka Pro. Yeah, I mean Kishiwada, sure. I mean he I mean he was like officially like he was signed when he came in. Like he wasn't a freelance guy. Like he left Osaka Pro and came to Dragon Gate like a month later. Like that was no that wasn't even like, hey, I'm gonna come in and freelance for a while and get a contract. Like they signed they signed No, there was uh i mean there are a lot of guys that failed i mean there was guys like shinobu guys like madoka i mean those guys who were around as freelancers for a long time well madoka not so much but shinobu was a uh ken 45 also was supposed ken to never got a like match that. he yeah he got hurt because he was going to come in um he was going to be kagetora's partner in something tag tournament so yeah the a twin gate title tournament and then like on the eve of it he broke his foot yeah, um because it 
because it was like right after like Kakatora. It was like soon after Kakatora came in. I feel like it was was the following year. Okay, yeah, it was. um, Kage had turned heel again. He joined Real Hazard to team with Sugawara, and he was feuding with whoever it was. I don't know if it was Tozawa and Kamikaze guys or if it was. I don't remember who it was, but I just I remember there being a promo. I think it was Tozawa. He was like, do you know who Ken 45 is? Well, he's coming in and he's going to be my partner. And because they had like a Dr. Muscle that was breaking the guitar over people's heads. And then Ken got injured. So it ended up being Kagetora and Sugawara in the Twin Gate title tournament. And then Kagetora joined Kamikaze long, not too long after something, something along the, along those lines. Yeah. That was the fun coach Tozawa storyline with with kamikaze if i'm if my time is lines right right yeah 2010 yeah so Jay, let me, uh, go, go no, sorry go ahead i didn't i was just gonna segue out of that so go, go ahead well I'll, I'll, I'll segue out of it because i unless you have any other thoughts on world which it doesn't seem like you do i i want to talk briefly about the torimon reunion show in june you were in the building for it you're the guy to talk to on this anyways but the the pandemonium that happened with Ultimo saying, you guys can cheer at this show, wait, no, you can't. Can you sort of give us your oral history of that day of events and what it was like for you in the booth during that show? He came out and just said it. <laughs> there was no planning. <laughs> there was no planning beforehand. Like they didn't say, you know, there wasn't like, okay, Dragon's going to come out after this match and say it's okay to cheer. Everything Dragon did on that show was unplanned. Um, he came out and did that. And like the like the building didn't know, and they got pissed. I mean, all of that, all of that stuff about you know Saito saying that he got a like they the you know the Corican people gave him sat them both down and gave him a talking to. I mean, like that happened. Um, renaming Mochizuki's kid was a shoot off the cuff. Like that was impromptu. That wasn't supposed to happen. And so he was supposed to be billed as uh, Ryoto Mochizuki. Ryoto. And then- yeah, and then Ultimo but, said no. Yes, so that was <laughs> um, like if you like if you look like his like the the like they're not allowed to be on social media until they debut, but um, they're told you know to you know prepare your social media so when you debut you can immediately go live and you see his handle is still Mochizuki Ryuto because that was what he was like he was going to wrestle under his real name and dragon just came out and screwed all that up and then like that segment he was supposed to come out to announce santo was coming in like that's really all he was out there for and he forgot like he was gonna leave without doing that and so like he had to turn around and come back so like he was just like tearing up the script on (laughs) on that show he probably um, was just ready to get to the Maricon, go and visit Cuba or something. I mean, he, yeah, who knows where yeah. his head was at? Yeah, yeah, but no, all of that was a uh, every. I, I mean, the the stuff like his match being turned into a six man. Obviously, that was known ahead of time. But everything else, the stuff with the cheering and all, like like that was all just Dragon being being belligerent. Um. <laughs> I don't know. It was cool. It was a cool night, though. Otherwise, I mean, for not as much as the the first one. I mean, the first one was was, you know, the first one was more of a 
you know, proper tribute to the past, you know, because they have, you know, like Milano was there and it was the first time for a lot of these reunions, like, you know, getting, you know, Taru and Suicito and like doing like Crazy Max and all that again, you know, it was the first time. So it's not, it's not going to be a special the second time because you, there isn't a surprise that can surpass Milano in terms of someone who hasn't been there yet. So that's why the surprise this time was not looking to the past. The surprise was Mochizuki Jr. And that, you know, we're going to celebrate the the past while connecting to something. I don't know if this is a question you can answer. Maybe you have to dance around it. Maybe it is a blanket statement and it's, it's a bit of a simple thing, but when Ultimo came in in 2019, one of my real big concerns was that, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the worst of Ultimo was going to rear its ugly head into Drangate. And I don't think that's happened, but this year, especially between cards not being announced ahead of time and the, the general vibe of some of these Corkin shows with a lot of short matches, a lot of big angles, is he gaining influence? Is there a lot of, you know, Ultimo behind the scenes stuff that's happening? What sort of light can you shed on that? No, that's, 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 uh, I mean, Saito is, Saito is general manager. I mean, so take that statement for what you will. Okay. Um, you know, obviously Dragon is there as the senior advisor for input. And, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is by necessity. Um, cards not being announced ahead of time you know i'm i'm with everybody on that one um you know at first i kind of saw it as a necessity due to covid in the sense that if you don't announce a card you don't have to change the card Mm. um so that's kind of how i saw it at first and it could still be that way but um you know, for house shows, it doesn't really matter if you announce the card or not. And, you know, I think people are just going to show up because, you know, Dragon Gate is coming to town. And, you know, as long as you know that Eita is going to be on the show or you know that Yamato is going to be on the show, that's that's enough. That's enough for you. So I think for house shows, it doesn't really matter. And for the, for the bigger shows, you know, for Korokin, you usually get the main matches announced anyway. You know, like, you know, there's going to be if there's going to be a Dreamgate title match, it's not going to be announced at bell time. You know, you're going to know ahead of time. So ultimately, does it really matter if we know the constellation of the throwaway 10 man tag on the undercard? Probably not. But I do think that um, it does need to go away as we move out of the if we move out of the pandemic. Yeah, what's the I I I hate to ask because I've asked you every time you've come on, but what's the what's the vibe there? Are we moving in the right direction? I know New it's Japan's doing fucked. cheering shows and stuff. Yeah, go no, it is please fucked right now. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> no, like Japan in terms of number of people infected, Japan is twice as high as it's ever been. Period. I mean, like every prefecture is setting setting new records every single day. Um. Like it's totally fucked. Like, um, and I think the states are like this right now as well. I think actually the entire world is like this right now with the new with um, the B five variant out there. That like, if you've escaped 
to this point without catching COVID, this is you're going to get it during this wave. I think that's kind of the the general consensus, and it's very much that way in Japan. Like I'm not doing anything. Like I'm doing my best to stay in and not like catch COVID on you know like the week before World and having to like totally tank the English commentary. Like Hoho's going to have to go out there by it. He's going to have to he's going to have to wrestle in a match, then he's going to have to second in the Twin Gate match, and he's going to have to announce the other matches by himself. Like, I don't want, I don't want to put him through that. Um, as far as cheering goes, the cheering is going to be up to the buildings. Um, so, like, the Otaku shows, I think um, Cyberfight just ran two shows that had cheering. Yeah. Um, I, I think they were given the option of you could have cheering or you could have full capacity and because Cyberfight, well, you know, those were like niche companies and they're not going to draw capacity there anyway. I think they just took the, I, they, I think it's the right decision that they took the cheering option out of those two um, just to kind of make it a special event. Um, the thing in September, again, I think that's probably going to be a test to see how it goes. Um we could very well see that get scrapped, but if it goes well for New Japan, then that's going to be a sign that it's going to be okay for everybody in Cork and all. Um, every place else, you know, it's going to be up to the up to the building. I think Otaku also is is city owned; it's not privately owned, so there's less liability if something happens. Um, but also, I don't think there's cheering. Was there, was there cheering for the G1 shows in Otaku this weekend? I haven't caught them, and I didn't no, see them announcing. No, the, the, the first New Japan cheering shows are going to be the ones in September. Yeah, so they, they did over. They did like twenty five hundred people today. So yeah, there wouldn't there. I don't think they were. They would be able to do cheering with that many people. Um, the other thing is um, that I think is going to maybe put us on a positive direction on that. So. Um, there was that um, was his intention fight in the Tokyo that like legitimately sold out the Tokyo Dome last month. Right, the um, fight, the fight, yeah, which did like that's another thing talking about attendances in pro wrestling. Um, you know, they put that fight together and they legitimately sold out the Tokyo Dome on like what two months' notice. Yeah, and after the whole Fuji TV Sakagara. <laughs> Yeah, after all of that, I mean, it kind of shows that, like, you know, pro wrestling attendances and, you know, when New Japan runs the Dome and draws 2,500 or 25,000 people or 30,000 people, it was like, pro wrestling is back. Yeah, well, <laughs> these guys just, you know, they went and fucking sold out the Tokyo Dome with an MMA fight. But, you know, it's kind of like, okay, how can I phrase this? Um... Mixed martial arts fans in Japan are considered degenerates. I guess this is really the only other way to put it. Like, <laughs> a, you know, like that, like the pride crowd, like the super rowdy, everyone is, everyone is shady. Everyone is kind of a scumbag. Right. You know, like that's really the only people that are, and it's kind of similar to like, you know, when you go to UFC, you know, it's like people like Rogan and, you know, like that side of people you know or it's you know that type of crowd 
where maybe whether deserved or not, they're kind of it's like kind of considered a low reputation thing. When you get a big fight like this, obviously because it's a big spectacle, you get celebrities and all of those people that gather for this. But otherwise, like the core fan is like you know considered considered like a degenerate fan base here. So because like and fans that don't care about following the rules. So that's why when you watch like Ryzen fights or all these other things, there's cheering and all that. That's because the people are not following the rules. Like those rules are still in place for these things, but people are just, they don't care and they're not following them. And the other thing is things like baseball, things like mixed martial arts also kind of fall under like live sports and fan participation is kind of considered integral to the live sports experience. Whereas pro wrestling falls under performance and fan participation isn't necessarily considered like if you go to a play or you go to the theater you don't you don't need to chant or do things like that and pro wrestling is kind of lumped under that for a lot of these things so that's why it's been you know you watch base you know you watch a baseball game or you watch the fight or you watch whatever and there's like these noisy crowds in japan it's just because it's a different category um but I don't know. We'll see if everybody doesn't die from this most recent wave, then we'll see what happens in September. But like, it's, it's bad. I mean, Okinawa just put out restrictions yesterday. Um, the government here, Tokyo, um, you know, Yuriko has said that there's not going to be like a state of emergency. There's not going to be any restrictions on business. You know, we just kind of have to, you know, people have to be responsible and stay home if they have symptoms, things like that. But Okinawa has kind of been the trendsetter. You know, they've usually been a few steps ahead of the rest of the country in terms of where things go. Just, I, I don't mean to say it this way, but because of the U.S. Army base there, Okinawa tends to go to hell before everybody else does. So um, I don't know. I mean, we might be... We might be squeaking in under under the finishing line for for world before some stuff happens, or it's just going to be all gas no breaks. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be the latter, but um, I guess we'll see. That is uh, depressing to think about, but nonetheless, thank you for that that input, Jay. I have one more question for you. I don't know if Mike has anything, but we were talking on the show last week, and I don't even remember how it came up, but we started discussing what we think the most viewed Dragon Gate matches from Western fans are of all time. And obviously, I think Blood Generation versus Doofixer from Ring of Honor would be the number one. I think the four-way match from August of 2003 would be number two. But in your mind, just real quick, what are the matches that you think have almost penetrated another bubble that have really granted either Torimon or Dragon Gate a noticeable amount of buzz over here? I mean, it's hard to think beyond the the ROH six man. I mean, it's got to be something with Ricochet or something with Pack. I mean, um, like that the stuff from like the Blood Generation, like 2011, 2012 stuff. It's got to be that. I know a lot of people have gone back to watch Pack versus KZ. Um, yeah, so that was from- a big one from a more modern perspective that match um uh beyond that maybe something from torimon maybe like darkest dragon versus dragon kid 
the first T2P show as a whole was one that was thrown out that I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't think now, though. I think back then, yes. But I think that as time has gone on, that the like the the legacy or the lore of that show has been kind of lost to the people that were there when it happened you know like when it went like i thought there would be a little more fanfare when it went up on the network but there really wasn't um so um i think that that is just kind of uh important in the time that it happened sort of thing but not Maybe not so much now. Um, I don't know. What else did you guys come up with? I, uh, I think I, it's hard to go beyond the ROH match, you know, mm-hmm. like, or something from, or like, you know, like Shingo versus Danielson or something like that, you know. But I mean, does that count? I mean, personally, like, for me, that doesn't count. Um, you know, anything that happened in Dragon Gate USA is not Dragon Gate per se sure the the other ones that i know we thought of were shingo versus hulk the hair match uh mochizuki versus shingo and then uh, a few people on the voices of wrestling discord brought up one that i hadn't thought of of that shingo and hulk versus kenta and ishimori match we felt like that got passed around Uh, quite a bit yeah yeah i i think so um that's that's a pretty good shout just because it's kenta Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's weird too because it was on like a big show that wasn't really a big show. Yeah, that's a pretty good show. Um, yeah. What else? I mean, it would have. To be something, maybe something with Shima in it, or something with Toza. The other idea I had, but not a specific match, just from like noticing at least the uh, response from not habitual Dragon Gate viewers was, I don't know if I would say it was this year, but I would imagine that Dead or Alive cage matches, if you're doing like a top uh... 25, would, would rank pretty high just because of how Western interest is like specifically towards that match. Yeah, yeah. I think the one with either the one, either two, the one with Hulk the Hulk turn or the Yamato turn, either one of those is a pretty good shout. 2016, I think. Yeah, 2014, 2016. Either one of those is interchangeably a pretty good shout. And that whole 2014 Dead or Alive, that has Moji Fuji versus Tozawa Shingo, which maybe wasn't a giant pop, but that Flamita versus Susumu match was another one that got mentioned of just a match that just got around. I think people put eyes on that that don't normally have eyes on Dragon Gate, and that's uh, not, you know, that's not a historically significant match, but I think over here, way more so than in Japan, that match mattered to some people. I think in terms of, in terms of GIF importance, that match falls up, falls pretty high. It I don't know. Flamita a, a, an entire career. Yeah, you know, I don't think the, I don't know how many people have actually seen the match itself as opposed to just seeing the GIFs. Oh, the, but, the, the middle rope 450, yeah. Yeah, the middle rope 450. That's probably the that or the um, more modern, the, the monkey Skywalker's monkey flip off the apron on KZ. But I think that those are neck and neck for in terms of gifts featuring Dragon Gate guys, anyway, from a Dragon Gate show. Um, I'm sure you can figure what I'm 
what gif I'm thinking of when I say that, but in terms of gifts from a Dragon Gate show featuring Dragon Gate guys, that is has been passed around. Um, I think those those two win. Um, yeah, that's a good call too. Um, God, what else? Or um, pack Falcon arrowing Dragon Kid off the top rope and almost killing. Yeah, what a match! I missed that pack run. Yeah. I was really like this world needed him needed him defending that AEW title on one of these nights like that was oh that was that's like the kind of spark that these shows needed okay um before we move on to anything else just before we move on from world let me make sure we've run down everything because a bunch of stuff got announced to get any less so we've got we, got, we talked about Kagetora's match we talked about Ishikawa's match we talked about the Red Gate match talked about the Twin Gate match we talked about Dragon Kid's match so um, second night we've got did we talk about the three way for the Triangle Gate yeah we did okay yeah I think we've covered everything for World so is there anything else related to World before we change to other topics I can't really think of too much, Jay. I think we've gotten all of that covered. But bringing up like a pack all Atlantic title shot, like that actually, with how they're using that belt, that would have been the Fujiwara send-off match. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, you know, it's so unbelievable. You know, I think it may be better as a challenge match for like SB or something, some just something to make it a little more, a little more competition because Pack coming into Wrestle Fujiwara would have just been like. It's not believable that Fujiwara could last any. Like, I mean, he wrestled. He wrestled um, the kid from New Japan. Yeah, he had uh, yeah, Umino. Umino. yeah. I yeah. guess he's got a little more of a career behind him now, though. So I guess it makes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, just anything. Um, but you know, that's politics, right? Yeah. So uh, a question I had, and I guess. Really, we, we can start wrapping things up from that. Uh, as this summer has gone on, we've seen more and more Dragon Gate wrestlers go on excursion. We've already seen Fujiwara and Australia. More are coming. Uh, something that this kind of was reminding me in a way, but completely different, was the first launching of the uh, Dragon Gate Trueborns excursion, Shingo, and then the short ones for uh, Hulk and Yamato. Oh, what would you uh, would like or fans to keep in mind, especially, I guess, fans in North America, if they get a chance to see some of these guys like Australia has the visa, as we've talked about, and has been booked more and more places. Uh, well, what are the things you, you would like to see fans get out of this excursion? What would you like to see the wrestlers get out? Of? Um, I mean, it's, it's exposure both ways. I mean, Australia, I think... It will do well to just immerse himself in like the traditional lucha culture um and you know that style and just learn as much as he can on that i don't know if he necessarily needs to go and make his name in north america as much as he just needs to absorb everything that you know learn as much as he can while he's over there and you know takuma probably the same thing i think takuma has kind of eta potential you know, like you know the eta before and after um but you know the other guys it's just 
you know, get the Dragon Gate name out there. You know, Hoho was saying, you know, when he was in the U.S. for his tour over, you know, over the winter, you know, like he goes and talks to people and they're like, yeah, I love Dragon Gate. I love that match from 15 years ago. Or, I, you know, they only know, you know, if they know any, you know, the most recent person that they would know is Yamato. You know, they don't know Shin Skywalker. They don't know Benkei. They don't know anybody from this modern, you know, the modern group and, you know, the guys that are Dragon Gate now. So, and, you know, everybody is going to get a chance to go. Um, some immediately, some long-term, some very, you know, some guys are just going to go on vacation and take some bookings while they're over there. You know, it's going to be long. It's all going to be very different, but I think just getting the name out there and associating these these new faces with Dragon Gate is the most important part of all of this. Um, you know, it would be nice to have a show. You know, be able to do like a full Dragon Gate in U in the U.S. show, and you know, who knows if it's going to come down to that? I mean, air, you know, flight, you know, just plane tickets are so expensive right now that it's it would wouldn't be worth it to you know fly these many guys over there to do a show because i just i just don't think that there's even if you're piggybacking off of all you know is, is there like a proper aew weekend now or indies piggyback off of aew stuff or are we still too yeah yeah uh really it's the las vegas show double or nothing in may there's piggyback and then coming up over labor day all out there's going to be significant piggyback uh i know aaw announced a show for thursday and gcw has announced like their I don't think they're calling it the collective anymore, but GCW is having a full weekend of stuff there as well. So we're seeing the piggybacking extent to AEW. Yeah, I mean, I think I think piggybacking off AEW is better, just in terms of the people that are that would be willing. Like, I don't. I mean, what what happens on WrestleMania weekend now? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, is that a, a, a lot of really bad GCW shows? Right. And then, okay. You kind of hope that the high spots contingent with all the luchadors they bring over, they normally like they had some pretty fun stuff this year, some stuff that I think look good on paper and then some stuff that over delivered. But those have become the camps now that Gabe's not there is you get GCW. So a lot of comedy and a lot of deathmatch. And then you get the high spots crew, which is your other indie superstars. And then the connections that they have in Mexico. Gotcha. Well, and, I mean, and then you... I, th I, th I think after that we're also going to start seeing uh, the Starcast Conrad verse start doing stuff there, and that's going to be all tribute stuff. Well, I mean, what do you? I mean, what do you think? Which, what do you think would be the best bet to piggyback off of? I mean, is it still Mania Weekend just because of the sheer volume of people going, or has that started to? Started that, to that doesn't mean as much as it used to. Now no. I don't, I don't think the the all out weekend stuff that Labor Day weekend run that doesn't have the prestige yet. But if I was lining up a show, that would be the weekend that I would target that has upward trajectory mania has downward trajectory. Yeah, that's I mean, from the outside, that's the impression I got on that. But it's also like the weird politics of another Japanese promotion running, you know, piggybacking on an AEW weekend when they've got, you know, their hands in 
so many different, you know, they've got New Japan partnership and Omega trying to force the DDT partnership and, you know, then all the different women's promotions and you know, all that. I don't know if there'd be weird. I don't know if it would become like a weird um, outlaw show. <laughs> so not, 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 yeah. outlaw, not outlaw mud show, but trying to run a Dragon Gate show that weekend up against, you know, when there would be these other guys from AEW matriculating out onto the other, the other indie shows that are going on. Like if the Dragon Gate show would become an Island to in and of itself because of the politics, you know, that's something else to consider, but that's, you know, that's just me making an ass poll on that. You know, like there could be absolutely no politics whatsoever and could have pack on the show or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, th- those are all different, sorts of things to consider going forward but in terms of terms of excursions you know i think the most important part of all of this is for the young guys to just get experience and find themselves and for other guys it's important for them to just go away so they can freshen up and for other guys it's just go and have a good vacation and get some matches you know get get booked against you know whatever shows are going on during you're out there and just while you're out there and just try to have a great match and get some buzz around it. So people think, wow, I haven't thought about dragon gate in a long time. I should go check them out. And, so. and I think, sorry, I, I think that next year I would say going forward all out weekend would be where to focus next year. Mania is in LA. So that has a certain cachet that normally like if they were in Dallas again, what does it mean for Dragon Gate to run Dallas? But running LA, that's a, a a bigger name thing that at least like if you if someone's pulling up the mobile site and it's like, oh, uh, they had a show in LA this week. That's that's big and they would recognize that other than random suburb of Dallas Tech. Shorter flight too. Um Well, you know, this was I mean, it was in I guess I could talk about this. I mean, it was in the original article that leaked or well not leaked but i guess got announced like the masked republic article you know talking about you know visas for noah guys visas for dragon gate guys and that they were considering running you know running a show that weekend if possible and all that and that's it's true that it's being considered um but consider is the key word there um it's kind of like uh if it if it becomes cost feasible, we would certainly look into it, sort of thing. So um, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, they told me I asked, I asked if they wanted me to do commentary. They said yes, but I'm pretty sure that's a, if you can fly yourself there, you can you can do commentary, sort of thing. I'm, like, I'm gonna, get the, <laughs> gonna get the flight, but you know I haven't been home in seven years now, so maybe it's maybe I should just bite the bullet and fly myself out, go home, and then go to LA for that, but. Yes, we'll see. Uh, well, Casey, did you have any other uh, questions you wanted to bring up before we get out of here? No, I've I've covered all the bases I need to cover. Yeah, well, Jay, thank you yet again for coming on to the show. Was there anything else you wanted to plug before we got out of here? Uh, no, no mailbag this time. Um... Oh, did not. Oh, we're sneaking and dropping this on the, the listeners this time. Oh, it's a stealth drop. Got it. I mean, that's that's how you do things in the in, in the streaming universe now. It's no no promotion, right? It's just stealth drop. The, this is, we're taking a note from Beyonce. Open the voice yeah. gate is studying that playbook. Exactly. Um. Well. Um. Despite my best efforts over the last two hours, I would still encourage people to watch Kobe World <laughs> this coming weekend. <laughs> um. You know, we've got some good stuff coming up. Um. You know, I'm sure. 
ultimately, even if the path to get here hasn't been as uh, as clean or as straight as we wanted it to be, and you know the momentum that you would like to see for a, a Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival weekend maybe isn't isn't there. Um, I am still pretty confident in you know what is there is going to deliver, even if it's just some good matches on the undercard or. You know, hopefully what is the crowning of a new, you know, we're going to get, you know, we've got two championship matches. We've got, what, a 66% chance of uh, having a new Dreamgate champion. And we have to probably do some Steiner math on that because it's two. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a 50-50 chance on the first night. And if Kai loses, it drops, you know, that makes it a hundred percent chance. <laughs> but if Kai wins, the 50-50% chance then turns to something like that but either way i mean there's a pretty good chance that we're gonna have a new dreamgate champion and it's gonna you know either way um even if it's just a lot of stuff that's to be continued you know it's gonna be the show that sets up everything that goes down in the back half of the year um you know remember last year after world you know saito became the gm you know yoshino retired all of that and it became a true new era for the company and you know the year before that the year before that it happened in november but you know the year before that was you know dragon coming back so you usually stuff happens coming out of world so this is uh if you've let if you've tuned out i don't know if anyone that's tuned out of dragon gate is going to make it this far in the show i don't know (laughs) what your demographics are um but if you're someone that is tuned out and you're listening to this and you're on the fence, you know, by all means, maybe wait until August 1st and then watch them both on demand so you can still get all of uh, everything that's coming up in August. But um, a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of guys that are going to be coming, maybe showing up in your neighborhood sooner or later, depending on where, if you're somewhere in North America. Um so um, you can follow me. Um, I haven't tweeted in like two months, but if you can follow me, uh, at dg underscore j uh, please follow the english the official english uh twitter account at dragongate en we're going to be live tweeting the contract signings they're going to be live on the network but that's just hard cam so we'll have we'll be live tweeting from the the fan party maybe some pictures of guys in suits i know that's always the you know the fashion roll call is always very popular it's um, a huge hit yeah yeah that's it's uh what is what is the it's a needle mover um so we'll have that so follow us for everything this weekend and uh that's it that's all i got and uh what and observe this brother should i throw the dirt sheets in the garbage can (laughs) (laughs) hey i mean it's something that you you know hulk hogan did not have very many good ideas but throwing in the trash can that was an idea he had Okay, I, I know I just closed out, but let, let me let me say this. Um, and this this is a generic this is a generic statement regarding wrestling journal or regarding jur- journalism in general, because this was something that kind of came up over the last few with the, the stuff coming out of WWE. You know, you know, with Vince retiring, and then Lesnar leaving, supposedly leaving, but then Lesnar being on the show, and it kind of being like this big gotcha that oh, you know, the dirt sheets were wrong. You know, because Lesnar was on the show, he didn't leave. And, you know, all those sorts of things. And I think that we need to, you know, people need to remember that you may have a legitimate source, but you have to consider your sources um, 
angle for giving you this information on a lot of this. And where I'm going with this is in terms of Japanese wrestling, um, I don't, you know, because news from North American wrestling is ultimately easily accessible if something happens, you know, if you're someone like the Wrestling Observer or if you're someone like, you know, any of these other places that sell wrestling news, I know I'm kind of giving backhanded insult to the platform that this <laughs> that this podcast is on, but, you know, if you've got a Patreon and you sell wrestling news, you know, you live and die by whether or not you have unique information, right? And it's tough. It's it's even more difficult now um, to get unique information out of North American wrestling because there are so many different avenues or places that you can get it, right? And, you know, news out of Japan is kind of the white whale on that in the sense that, you know, Unless maybe you maybe you get a little bit out of a foreigner that's working over here, you know you, you, that. But people have to remember that foreigners that work over here get kayfabed just as hard as people outside of the company on a lot of these things, you know, where they they're a lot of it is only like on a need to know basis. You need to know your match. You need to know what time to be on the bus. Otherwise, you don't know anything that's going on. So that's why I think ultimately people are quick to believe and not verify a lot of news that comes out of Japan because they want to have that news um, and be the ones that break it or on that. And um, in the terms of, in terms of stuff that relates specifically to Dragon Gate and, you know, the various type of stuff that went out, I think that ultimately with a lot of outlets, it shows that Dragon Gate is still a very minor promotion, and it doesn't it doesn't warrant vetting the news, um, you know, because it's Dragon Gate. You know, it doesn't really matter whether this news is correct or not because it's just a blurb in our newsletter, or it's just a blurb on our radio show, or what. So ultimately, it's up to us in Dragon Gate to make it so um, we become a promotion that is worthy of having its news verified. And that's um, my take. I think that's a very fair way of putting it, Jay. And I think that that's something that all of us, including me, should keep in line, keep in mind when we are doing coverage as well. You know, yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's been you know news out of Noah that some of it is right, some of it is wrong. There's been news out of here. You know, you've got people like... I don't, I don't, I don't want to put him on blast, but you know, there's some people that will give news to retain, you know, to try and make clout and keep themselves relevant. Or you've got people that are just out to fuck with people and to catfish people, which is what we saw with this. And there's other places that will have an agenda on a lot of things. You know, I don't want to get too much into this, but you know, stuff. Stuff related to New Japan and stuff that's going on, stuff like with Harold May or stuff like Dick Togo, I think that a lot of the places that have that information got it from their sources and their sources are legitimate, but their sources had an angle that um, that they were trying to, you know, and the most recent thing I could think of would be like Kota Ibushi and that I think right. a lot of people have no idea what's going on with this guy. And um, so the people that are feeding 
people like the rest that are, that are places like the Wrestling Observer that are trying to you know feed them information on this situation. They're doing it in a way to not expose too much of the reality of what's going on with him because New Japan is trying to salvage what's left on the contract and you know and ultimately you know, ultimately it doesn't matter because he's a, he's a very disturbed individual that needs a lot of help but at the same time I also think that it doesn't help that the story was presented in a way that just has people saying well once he's away from New Japan he can go to AEW he can go to back to DDT, he can go to Noah, he can go to wherever and continue his career and be back to happy, wholesome Kota, you know, like that's not the case. I mean, there's so, there's a lot going on there that, you know, so, so because a lot of that, I think I find a lot of the reporting around that to be irresponsible, but that's another story. Ultimately, um, it's up to you, the listener to decide whether you want to believe news that is out there or not. But um, you guys as reporters, the listeners as people that follow all this and me as someone that has to be careful with what I say because I'm not a fan anymore and I have to I can get in, I can get in trouble for some of the stuff I say now. Um, you know, we all need to be more thoughtful in how we uh, approach the information that we're given on a lot of this and the people that are out there because the people that are out there to cause chaos with it and to have fun with it and to, you know, create sock puppet accounts on Reddit and post the, you know, fake news that they themselves are spreading in an effort to, you know, get this, you know, get fake stuff out there. You know, I mean, it extends beyond pro wrestling, obviously, that this is just, you know, disinformation thing now, but you know, this is me. This is a long roundabout way of saying all of that stuff that came out about Dragon Gate is, you know, it was all sock puppet tales from my ass stuff, and it was all bullshit. But, um, you know, it has come around to where we're all unhappy with Nosawa, and we want him to go away because the, the Triangle Gate has been dragged through the fucking mud, and we're just tired. We want, we want A to back. You know, we've missed. Uh, I'm going to turn this around. I'm turn this around and end this on a positive note. In that, I feel that we've wasted the peak you know the most delicious period in a pro wrestler's career is when they've been a heel for five years and they finally turn babyface. and we missed that window for eta on that and I, I, it's fucked and i i hope peros lose on the first night and we're done with it because i want eta to take a meaningful role in dragon gate going forward because he needs to he's only 30 I know he's a veteran, but he's, you know, he should, him and, you know, he's still a guy that we should be talking about when we're talking about guys like, well, who could be the, the Dreamgate champion next? And as long as he's m m mixed up in the stuff that's going on in Noah, we're not going to be able to do that. And that's, that's fucked. Like, I want it over with. So I'm unhappy with the booking. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Jay, I was, uh, leading the parade for the summer of Aita this year it felt like this was the time yeah like he yeah and i mean hopefully i mean 30 you're entering you should be entering your prime as a wrestler if you haven't like picked up a lot of injuries and this felt like the window and the hope is that after all this paro stuff is done and we can bury it and act like it never happened that we could still get that if it's not a summer of Aita, who's to say we can't have a winter or a spring or at least just get him into something meaningful. Like he doesn't even need to be the guy that beats Yoshioka, but as long as he is just in something, you know, like 
I don't, I mean, I don't know who, I mean, if you want to put him with Daya Yuki and Kikuda, that's fine. If you want to put him in gold class, that's fine. You want to put him in high end, that's fine. I mean, I don't know if high end is going to be around much longer, but I mean, if high end is going to stick around, you know, a, a retooled high, high end with Yamato, Eita, Dragon Kid, Kagetora, and maybe Ishin, and, you know, Benke goes to Zebrats, you know, that's that's cool. You know, that's perfectly fine, but just get him into something and not just have him be on these fucked up undercard tags. Or those weird dry undercard singles matches that he's been going through over the last month. I, yeah. I, I, I miss him and Maria together. I thought that was an incredibly compelling story, a compelling story. And I don't like the end of that. That twin gate match from uh, Osaka is one of the best matches I've seen this year. It wasn't supposed to happen. Um, so let me tell let me tell this story. Here's some. Um, so essentially, it was just going to be um, D Courage against uh, D Courage against uh, Hyo and SB, but then they came up with the idea of doing uh, the Twin Gate match for Daya's homecoming. So they didn't want to do the match twice. So they threw Ata and Santa Maria in that match. So it was never meant to be anything beyond that little two week. That was one hell of a two-week story. I I really enjoyed that. And then Ato was right back to doing Paro stuff, and it felt like that was all a waste. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was it was a waste. I mean, ultimate. I mean, ultimately, there's only so much you could do with Santa Maria in you know in 2021. I mean, I almost think that going back to the Shenlong character is a, is a bit of a bit of a step forward, <laughs> kind of progress. You know, I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, ultimately, it's a drag character, and you know, I just I don't know if that character is appropriate anymore. I mean, I know that there's oh, okay. I have to okay. I have to choose my words very carefully here. Um, I know that there's this kind of thought that the Yosuke Santa Maria character is a properly transit like a trans like a trans character um or because the person playing the character is trans themselves and i think that ultimately that has been a very detrimental misconception because it makes it very difficult to handle the character going forward because if you let's say there's someone that is transitioning that has taken the Yosuke Sant that has taken Yosuke Santa Maria as a positive influence on them. Um just turning it into you know just having Yosuke Santa Maria go back to being whatever, you know, I mean that can that doesn't it's not a good look. I'll just leave it at I'll, I'll say it that way because I can't think of a another way to say it but ultimately there is it is a drag character and not a trans character so because of that there is that separation of the person in the makeup and the per you know inside of the ring and outside of the ring so to speak you know on stage and off stage but i just i think the on stage character of yosuke santa maria has i don't know if there's much left there's much left there so if they were using the team with Ata as a way to move away from that, then yeah, it was valuable, but ultimately it didn't 
they didn't go in that direction. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if going back to Shenlong and just suddenly having them being out there shirtless is a good, a good way to do it either <laughs> in, in, in a comedy gimmick. But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you could also negate a Kung Fu guy. I don't know. It could be like the Sammo Hung. I, I, I have I have been campaigning hard for an Ata Jason Lee tag team at some point. So if that's the oh, avenue yeah. we have to go down to get it, then I'm more oh, than yeah. okay with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that... I'm. Yeah, yeah, because Jason came in 2017, and that's right, right when Ata turned. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. It was September, and then Ata turned in. November. Right, yeah. So yeah, that'd be that'd be a cool team. I mean, also you know, Ata. Being just Aita just generally being an exciting wrestler again. Exciting is a is this kind of I, I know that feels like I'm kind of trashing the wrestling he does now because Aita is very good. You know, Aita is still very compelling when he wants to be. But Aita going back to kind of being babyface, technic, you know, flashy. I I don't know if he can still do that stuff anymore though. You know, I mean, his neck is messed up, his shoulders messed up. I I don't know if we'll be you know I don't think we'll ever see you know moonsault over over the post Aita again. But um, Ata leading a group like of you know post natural vibes Jack or like a group with like Ishin and Kikuda you know I mean it's very compelling and very exciting to think about just because it's been five years yeah so because of that we just you know a lot of people haven't seen that I mean I remember I remember getting a message uh, sometime in 2018 just a, a like a, a DM or maybe it was just a mention on Twitter where someone was like, you know, I got sold on Ata as this really exciting high flying submission guy. And I watch him and he's just this shitty Rudo. <laughs> and one, I thought that was a really weird message to send me because I had nothing to do with it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, most people heal Ata is the only Ata that they know. So like the Ata that had the brave gate, you know, that did those matches against Tozawa and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, like, I don't know how much of that he still has in him, but I would sure like to see some of that come back. Because I think people will be, will be really surprised and pleased with that. But we got to get him away from fucking Paros before. Even if you just do Paros here and get actually like a group of people dedicated to it so you have a dedicated team to put him in it's the the random undercard tag death slot and it's just a waste to have him in it be locked into that position on every single show has been i think out of everything that's been the big miss of the first half of this year and it's something that's somewhat discordant for lack of better words like you have like okay here's Fuji, Maria, and Problem Dragon. And then you have the other two come out on Ada's team. And then Ada comes out to overdrive the Mirage. And the crowd is clapping aloud really into it. And then the match happens. And they just kind of sit on their hands. Because it's like, why is Ada? Right. I mean, you can, you can see it, too. And when you go back to those first shows in February and March, when he was coming out with the solo entrance and the reaction to that. And you can, I mean, you can see how that's died down i mean it's still it still gets a reaction but it's not near what it was several months ago so i i really think they missed the peak on that i don't know if choosing to not run him with ishida that's fine 
but I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Ishi, Ishi doesn't. But uh, yeah, I hope the back half of this year has something substantial for Ata to do, and I it, hope it does not involve Peros because that's not substantial. Um, yeah, I mean, I... it just it, it looks bad. You know, like he goes and he, you know, like, yeah, he's going over main eventing the Noah show. Yeah. In front of like a 20% capacity crowd, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we, he's, he's not doing anything in Dragon Gate so he can do this. Like, fuck man. Like, and I don't even mean that in a disrespectful way to Noah, but like, it's not his home promotion and he should be doing like the stuff that he's doing outside of his promotion that's fine, but it shouldn't be a handicap to what he's doing in his home promotion. It should be extra. You know, like Mochizuki, Mochizuki can go and do all the Noah matches he wants because it's not a handicap to what he does when he comes back home. And that's that's the problem where it's coming up for Eita, is that it's stuck him in the mud in his home promotion for almost nine months now. Do you know how Eita going to Noah came about? Was that uh, something yes. that he... That he bargained um, for, that he negotiated for? No, uh, he ran into Nosawa at a bar in Yotsuya one night, and Nosawa pitched it to him, and he said yes. Oh, to run into Nosawa at a bar at night, what could come of that? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was literally that that light. Like, there wasn't negotiations or anything back and forth. It's just like, hey, I'm going to do Paros. You want to come do it? You know, you're not doing anything right now. And Ito was like, yes, you know, I mean, anything related to... Paro or Perito, you know, Ata's going to jump and do it. So the way Noah does their units, I mean, eventually, like the Paros will probably be disbanded sooner than later, right? I mean, it yeah. seems to be the way they do things, especially in the junior division, more so. Right, right. Um, but I mean, Nosawa owns the trademark. That's why when they did the, that's why it was when they did the little thing after Dead or Alive, when they did the fake. Uh, fake contract expiration thing that it was so believable that they could just go and be Paro somewhere else because Nosawa is the one that owns the trademark in Japan. So like if they quit Noah, they could take Paros and show up in Dragon Gate or show up, you know, wherever, or, you know, start a promotion as Paros, you know, whatever it is they were going to do. So that's why it helps. Then they did like the, you know, the summer of Peros turned into the summer of Punk, and that it was over in two weeks, right? And they were just back on. They were just back on the show ten days later, after going through all this time to do this elaborate work to try and, you know, confuse people and trick people, and like they couldn't even wait until after World. But anyway, um, so I wrapped up like twenty minutes ago, and now we're talking. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's no worries. <laughs> Sorry. No. No problem whatsoever, Jay. It's been an absolute blast having you on here again. And uh, uh, you've already done your plugs. <laughs> I have. I'm done. You... Watch the show. Buy the shirt. Buy Ho Ho Loon's shirts. There we go. Everyone go buy Ho Ho Loon's shirt. Well, thank you again, Jay. And that's going to do it for us this week on Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back reviewing two nights in Kobe. Take care, everyone. <laughs>